I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, the headlines during the 2022 election campaign included the democracy will die if Democrats win or authoritarianism will rule if Republicans win. So the question is, beyond the headlines, do these ominous headlines, did they drive young people to the polls or did they push Generation Z deeper into despair? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. We're so pleased to have back on the program once again Samuel Abrams, professor of politics at Sarah Lawrence College and a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute and someone who always gives us great perspective, especially on Gen Z, uh, because I think you're living it every day there at Sarah Lawrence College. And the interesting thing to me, Professor, on this piece that you had uh, just published with uh, Deseret Perspectives, how transformational politics is hurting Gen Z's mental health. I think this is such an interesting angle into all of this. Uh, so let's start with just kind of the the basis of, of what we're seeing. Obviously, we've we've focused a lot on their the mental health of Gen Z and all the things that are impacting that from social media to low uh, religious connection, the pandemic and those kinds of things. Uh, but tell me what you're seeing and then uh, and then start taking us through where where this leads, what this really means. Sure, sure. So thank you for having me back. Um, what I'm seeing, though, is not just at Sarah Lawrence, because if it were just at Sarah Lawrence, you might be able to explain that, right? Yeah. Because it's a very liberal school, and it's a small school with, with, with seminars. Uh, and you might say, oh, well, you know, Professor Abrams, you're just seeing it because you are closer to your students in seminars than faculty who are in big lectures. And, and my response to that would be no. It's not just Sarah Lawrence. Uh, The mental health of students around the country is a problem, whether it's, you know, liberal schools in New England and New York or more conservative schools out west or down south. Um, This is a sort of universal or in this case national problem and uh, is one that, you know, people are not paying enough attention to. But if you look carefully, you know, you you will notice that um, suicides have been up. Um, There have been huge numbers of new hires of therapists and counseling folks around the country. And of course, this obviously grows the administrative apparatus, which we don't want. Uh, And, you know, when that happens, you also have a victimization problem where people say, well, I'm a victim. And that's a problem as well. So in trying to figure this out, you know, I I realized that, yes, social media is a problem. Uh, Yes, the administrative class is a problem. And that's because when students enter their college and university life, they're not told, Let's find what unites us. Let's find common ground. Let's find what makes us American and, and wonderful. They're told, you've been harmed, you've been harmed, and you've been harmed based on various identity politics. So that's a problem. And as we know, social media is a problem, and the echo chambers are a problem. But you know, one day after uh, leading a seminar and, and thinking about that seminar and a number of other uh, talks and seminars that I've given around the country to other folks, I realized, holy smokes, these students don't know Ronald Reagan. They have no idea what it feels like 
to, in real time, hear someone give an optimistic speech. And this applies to folks on both the left and the right. Right. Uh, You know, I'm very lucky. I just heard uh, my uh, former AEI colleague, Arthur Brooks, give uh, a set of remarks in Washington uh, at a dinner. And I walked out of there, you know, on cloud nine. Why? It was uplifting. It was about the positive potential of community, faith, and family. Mm. And it felt great to hear that because we don't hear that enough. We don't hear that enough on the left or the right. And I realized very quickly, my God, these students have lived in such a turbulent political time where everyone's chopping each other down. No wonder they feel like they're in, 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 in bad shape. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the data bear that out. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Yeah, and I I think that's so... Interesting to look at what they have experienced. And, of course, a lot of what they have experienced is performative politics, which is usually about uh, weaponizing and demonizing the the opposition. Uh, contempt is obviously a big part of that. Uh, but you also point to in your article something that I think is so striking uh, that I think kind of undermines everyone's confidence in the process, in the system. Uh, and that is that, you know, every time we have an election, every single debate is, you know, the most historic thing in our lifetime. Fate of the free world is in your hands. Democracy's on the ballot. Uh, you know, all of those kinds of uh, things that are just so big and so sweeping uh, that it seems like Gen Z is sort of getting caught in the prop wash, uh, both the left and the right, uh, declaring, hey, if the other side wins, it's over for all of us. Exactly. And, you know, one of the first things we teach or used to teach uh, when we did more mainstream government courses is that by design, our government is supposed to be slow on every level. We're not supposed to have big mood swings. We're not supposed to have big legislative swings. We're supposed to be incremental and pluralistic. And, you know, people fight the ideas out. Um, Now, to to what you you just said, if you listen to the rhetoric, listen to what candidates are saying and listen to the position, it really is, well, if this happens, you know, X, Y, and Z could happen. And that is an inherently unstable, unpleasant place to be. And, uh, you know, that's been the norm over the past four or five election cycles, which is exactly when our uh, younger, you know, cohort of Americans, the Gen Zers, have come of age. They don't remember a time when you're just picking between two candidates who may have some differences. Uh, You know, Bush or Gore, I remember voting for Bush or Gore. Uh, And, you know, yes, there would be some policy differences here and there. But no one was using that language of catastrophe. No one was using that language of incredible change. And my advice to the parties is that as millennials and Gen Zers become more and more powerful, you have to tone that down, slow it down, and let's find some consensus here, uh, you know, where the sky is not falling every two years. 
Yeah, and, I, and sometimes it feels like the sky is falling every 10 minutes. Uh, exactly. as the, the latest press release comes out or the latest report or a new you know committee is having some you know theatrical hearing on uh, primetime TV. Uh, it seems that we, we just seem to be exacerbating that problem uh, and, and creating more of what is unsettled. One of the other things I loved in your in your piece, Professor, uh, was this idea that uh, we are still unsettled. And again, looking at Gen Z, they remain unsettled, which, of course, increases anxiety and uh, frustration and, and all of that kind of worry. Uh, agreed. And uh, this is a message I keep giving to Republicans and, and, and folks on the right, which is, Gen Z is open, it's unsettled, and it likes the you know, Republican set of views. If Republicans could stop ignoring them, that would be very, very helpful. Um, you know, colleges and university campuses and, and, and young students, are, and young Americans rather, are not a lost cause at all. Um, you know, we, we looked at the exit polls, they, they, they showed up to vote. Uh, they were voting out a, a lot of the stuff to, to do with January 6th. But their issues were not totally out of whack at all with freedom-friendly policies on the right whatsoever. Uh, and, you know, the, the easy way to move forward from this is to have one party step up and say, we're going to be the adults now. Here's what we believe in. It's not catastrophic. We're going to coalition build. We're going to move forward, and we're going to make this country great. And, uh, you know, I, I wish the GOP would hear that. Yeah, and, and I think looking at, at all sides of the equation is so important. We've been focusing throughout the, the week this week on, you know, Aristotle's view of political life in a free society, that it should be this humanizing arena. And I just love that term uh, in a demonizing arena world that we seem to live in, uh, that politics in this free society should be a humanizing arena to moderate conflict so we can pursue the common good. Uh, And it seems to me that's in Gen Z's wheelhouse, uh, but neither left nor right seem to be communicating or inviting them into that kind of arena. They're not, and I'm grateful you said that. You know, after the election, I, I said to some of my students, uh, and this is what really motivated the piece. I said, you know, if I were a college student now thinking about graduate school, why would I go near the study of politics? Mm. I remember an era, and I, I really do remember Reagan Bush, and it was an era about humanity. It was about the humane nature of people. It was about how to make America great. It was to showcase that our ideology here is better than the Soviet Union's. It's, it's more free, it's more just, it's more equitable, uh, and it provides more opportunity. And, you know, I loved this and fell in love with it because uh, this was a way to be humane and to help this country grow. We're not hearing that rhetoric at all anymore. Uh, and again, to your point, when we demonize and when we balkanize, uh, it just leads to anxiety and fracture, and this is not where we should be. Uh, well, the piece is uh, just absolutely fantastic. Sam Abrams is the professor of politics at Sarah Lawrence College. He's a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, someone we look to for great insight on a host of things. And, uh, Professor, we appreciate you joining us today. This is a crucial conversation and uh, one we look forward to continuing with you in the days ahead. Thank you. So many things to unpack there, but as you think about the young people in your life, uh, recognize that amidst all the other stress and pressure and anxiety, uh, there's also this uncertainty that comes with the kind of politics that we're practicing, where everything is all or nothing, where everything is either a major catastrophe or a 100% win, and we have to get back to recognizing and teaching them that no, this is an iterative process. It requires compromise and common sense. It requires us to put down our our weapons of words, uh, pick up some sharper pencils, and get to policy solutions that will actually create certainty for everybody, but especially for our young people.
with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.